an extended introduction to today's podcast. This is the COVID War Podcast, an emotional education and support effort focused on hospital-based nurses and nurses' aides anywhere in the U.S. as the primary audience and also focused on all the other hospital groups such as unit secretaries, physicians, respiratory therapists, housekeepers, and other COVID warriors as the secondary audiences. The primacy of the nurses is because, as a mental health therapist with decades of trauma experience, I and Jasmine, another therapist with decades of treatment experience, were recruited to assist in providing support groups for nurses directly serving COVID patients in the spring of 2020. That spring, Jasmine and I provided education about trauma and its potential effects for nurses working in a hospital that is especially near and dear to me. This is a semi-rural hospital in a smaller, more closely-knit community where relationships and friendships can span many employers. I am part of this community and have known some of the hospital's nurses for decades. So my path and nurses' paths have crossed fairly frequently through, for example, my link to the nurses' volunteer work as sexual assault nurse examiners. Perhaps these friendships are the source of my deep passion on every nurse's behalf, or perhaps it is the weary horror, deep pain, and anger, anger I continually see on the hospital COVID nurses' faces every week. To the nurses and medical professionals in my community, that I love and care for and provide supportive education to, parts of this podcast will be brutal for you. I cannot reveal specific details of your lives in the podcast due to my respect for you and your patience, so I used my skill with language and as a gifted empath to create and to portray a composite picture of a COVID nurse's life, the lives of the patients the nurse treats and the families the nurse interacts with in the incredibly difficult world of a COVID ward. I did not and will not use your details or your patient's details, but I have done my best to create in each hearer's mind a vivid sense of a COVID nurse's inner and outer worlds. This could be brutal for you to listen to. I care about you and love you even if I have never met you. I care, seek to love, and want to advocate also for the nurses across our country at lesser and greater distances from our little burg. Have a trusted person, not directly COVID-impacted. Listen to this podcast and summarize it so, first, you can know who in your relationship should listen to this description of a hospital COVID world. Second, so you know you will not risk relationships by blindly pointing people to this podcast and Last, so you can decide if you want to listen. Some will likely think my warnings and steps here are excessive. In a time in our country where our many relationships are so strained, I want to follow medicine's ethos. First, do no harm. People in general, people in your family, your church, your circle of friends, the bar you go to, those you hike or bowl with, and Those you sit with at children's soccer games and basketball games, these all need to see your world if they are ever going to support you with their personal behavior.
as well as their words. The quote we often hear, We are at risk of overwhelming our health care systems, has proven to be remarkably underwhelming. It doesn't seem to communicate. Because of this underwhelming reality, this was created as a tool for you nurses and medical professionals to use with people in your lives so each can see what a hospital's inner COVID world is like. I know that I am at best speaking imperfectly on each professional's behalf today. I do not know the COVID reality on every floor or in every nurse's life. I do know that I want to speak on your behalf out of respect, concern, and compassion for the impact your work is having on each of your lives and on your families. To those asked to listen to this podcast, listen to all of it, please. The person who pointed you to it needs your understanding to deepen. Yes, I describe imagined interactions in the podcast, and I will use evocative language because the hurt and struggle American medicine is going through is emotional, real, and will leave lasting impact in people you know, or, at a minimum, people you unknowingly encounter who need your choices to change. Some of you will discount what I portray as spin, hyperbole, or, who knows, something else. I produced as honest and meaningful a podcast as I know how to give you. There have been enough rewrites of this episode to make me lose count. I struggle to figure out which is even the most current file. The podcast has been delayed too long by rewrites and re-recordings and as I asked hard questions about what I recorded, take a chance and really listen. Then think. Think about what is shared in this podcast. Think about the world I seek to paint in front of you. It is a world that is real. This podcast is significantly longer than usual because, well, as Jasmine says, I'm long-winded and redundant in speech. Uh, but anyway, and because I am speaking both to the audience I support and to you, individuals in the community and general public that are, live in two very different groups. One group discounts the reality of the COVID war and words and more directly and more painfully in their behavior. These individuals form a section of the general American public and my community that are doing harm to nurses and medical professionals. They are people I and nurses see every day. Within the nation, American nurses encounter these individuals every day as well. To the second group that I will talk to today, the ones who honor the burden, and if you're 60 years old like me, it is a burden to remember to wash your hands repeatedly during every day. Maintain personal distance. Wear masks over, hey, world, how about both your nose and mouth? That's a novel idea. In stores and other enclosed spaces, you who do this, are important, especially those who have the courage to speak to people in your families or who are your friends who refuse these behaviors. 
to you, I pass a huge thank you. A thanks to you as persons who have given tired nurses meaningful, observable evidence that you won't pile more dying COVID patients, more haunting and disturbing work on them. Keep doing what you're doing. You never know when a nurse is near you, noticing you, personally thankful for you. I thank you as well. Be proud of wearing a mask. As you will hear, it matters more than you might think. It is noticed repeatedly. Please listen to this podcast so you can know more about why it matters. Today's episode is titled, Practical Help Number One, A Message on Personal Costs in the COVID War. Hello, this is Morris, here again to talk to nurses and other COVID warriors locked deep within American medicine's Vietnam. This time, more importantly, I am also talking to two different sections of the American public. If you have been asked to listen to this podcast, it is because someone believes this episode can be helpful to you directly, or perhaps they're trying to preserve your relationship with a nurse or other COVID warrior. Please listen to the whole episode, even if it's difficult. Doing the trauma work I have done for so long makes me a hard man especially in certain situations where I need to say hard things. I may make you uncomfortable today, but I will not lie to you by softening what I share. I will not dishonor the work of people I care deeply about through hyperbole either. I cannot share quotes to give you that sense of what it's like, but I can share accurate, composite characterizations. Now to the work of informing and educating you. A nurse made the link between her experience of working with COVID patients and the American experience of the Vietnam War. A key feature of this correspondence between the 2020 and 2021 COVID War and Vietnam is the huge, I mean absolutely massive, disconnect between the SARS-CoV-2 virus combatants and the general American public like the disconnect between the Vietnam War's American combatants and the 60s and 70s U.S. public, the COVID warrior U.S. public disconnect is profoundly disturbing, confusing, and frankly, emotionally eviscerating for many of the nurses and other COVID warriors. Now, these COVID warriors are not being called baby killers or spit on in the U.S. like too many Vietnam servicemen. Now, instead, as you COVID nurses are being called heroes, publicly thanked, and told positive things by an American public, you see that same public in your communities on a daily basis, stunningly, significantly, and directly involved in burying you, nurses and other COVID warriors, under thousands and thousands of profoundly sick patients. You talk to me about this through tears of grief and anger. You cannot understand why people will not do simple things to help you and to limit the damage done to you personally by COVID sea of stress you drown in each shift. I hope, nurse, that some will be reached through this podcast in your community. 
that some may come to feel your experience and respond with observable behavior. I have used the metaphor of war frequently in the podcast episodes because it is the strong experiential parallels that are so divisive between American medicine's Vietnam warriors and too large a portion of the American cultural COVID experience. Unlike Vietnam's filmed footage of combatants on the old nightly news and special reports, the COVID warfighters' experience is largely hidden and unheard. This podcast is intended to give each listener a glimpse of one particular combat area, the negative pressure COVID floor in the hospital, so that there is understanding that COVID in the community is nothing like the COVID monster on a hospital floor. Being old enough to remember Vietnam, I had quickly seen the similarities in this pandemic, but I was quite surprised when the early 20s nurse made the connection during a brief discussion. War and combat metaphors often just don't translate well to women in my experience, and I know because I've tried it many times. <laughs> it doesn't work. Yet, here was a woman born decades after the war, clearly connecting her experience with those young men of the 60s and the 70s. The faces I saw and the stories I heard from nurses made me certain of the Vietnam War parallel in the spring of 2020. But as I began launching this podcast in the fall and winter of 2020, that had dimmed even a little for me. I was very surprised by insight from a woman born decades after the war. I had not expected younger nurses who now found themselves in the frontline firefights against COVID on the hospital floors to make such a deep gut connection, to feel so deeply and so certainly that America had also abandoned them in their current fight. She did. Why? Why did she make the connection to those young men? I did not quiz her. She had too much to do and too little energy left for me to pull deep emotion up for review. But listener, please consider what I describe. You see, when JFK sent in troops to Vietnam to fight a war in that hot, demanding hell where those warriors on patrols face potential death at any moment, we also sent them. We sent them into a difficult, dangerous environment where constant vigilance for hours and hours was the best protection against death for the fighter, their buddies, and their unit. The vigilance in that hellish environment created the constant stress that did damage. Damage still requiring treatment even 50-plus years later. The experience, that difficult experience these young men faced back in our culture, however, did far, far more damage. This is not that different than what nurses, nurses' aides, housekeepers, respiratory therapists, physicians, and others who battle SARS-CoV-2 in the patient rooms, in COVID-negative pressure units, in the ICUs, and in the ERs, experience. It is hot in all that protective gear that must be worn, 
the pace of movement on these floors required to try and keep critically ill patients alive means the nurses and nurses' aides often must run, sweat, and struggle in an environment that can be lethal to them and their co-workers if constant attention is not maintained. See why it is so similar to Vietnam? In Vietnam, death was not always immediate. For some, it was drawn out from wounds that drained life away. Watching this happen in glances at your wounded buddy right beside you that you cannot help because you must stay engaged in the firefight was hard, so hard. For our COVID warriors, the firefight is filled to overflowing with this watching, fighting amid the many competing demands. It is the watching, the treating, and seeing hope as a patient breathing clears and the person, that specific human being, finally becomes able to communicate again. That is so stressful. For the nurse, the cruelest question rises again. The nurse knows there is a four-letter word that haunts them and too often mocks them. The four-letter word, hope. Here is that nurse's thoughts. <sighs> Get a grip. Do I hope again? Well, he, he is off the ventilator, and, and his oxygen saturation is enough for him to think and talk, and, man, can I do it again? Do I hope again? Well, his speech is a bit random and disjointed, but, yeah, he is better. Man, can I risk hoping again? I don't know. I just don't know. You, the nurse, think through what to say when giving report to your next shift's teammate taking over. The report will note the patient's gains in the past 12 hours that you have lived and struggle with him. It is factually hopeful. You, the nurse, breathe a little easier for this patient, whom you have lived in the world of war against COVID for all of the stressful 12-hour chunks for four days. This patient is inextricably in your life now. Like all the others, he is a person and a marker of you as a fighter. You have been beside him in this battle, and you have been watching over him. This patient's family has also become part of your life, as you give updates by phone, and they can't come on the unit, you know, and answer questions. Yes, some family members, a few, have cussed you out in every single phone call in their frantic frustration over a lack of definitive answers. Now, every day, you flinch at each ring of a unit phones, and, sadly, you flinch at home when the phone rings. Between another set of the families and, well, now the patient's four-letter words this shift... They again demand clear predictions of health, whether it's returning or death is looming. Damn it, woman, I am going to die. 
Tell me, am I going to die? You're supposed to know. You're the nurse. I'm the patient. Damn it, tell me. You know you cannot give these answers to these questions. SARS, too, is unlike any virus medicine has seen before. It is quite cruel in its deception, offering progress in the lungs while damaging the heart, or instead damaging other organ systems, such as the lining of every blood vessel in that patient's body, or the system that manages clotting in the blood, damaging these systems in ways no one can yet monitor in real time. Someday, these tools may exist. Not today, not next month, and not next year, and not for the next patient. COVID is too unpredictable, too cruel. Once the patient reaches the need for a hospital's skilled, trained, caring staff, it's a monster. It is nothing like the light illness the public experiences too often. Yes, the public experiences it this way. Or, for too many, they just assume it is a light illness. To often believe COVID is a cruel monster of a disease once a person falls far enough to need a hospital. A monster given to sudden thefts of lives via unexpected, uncontrollable, and unstoppable death in our hospital bed. It is easy for some citizens to believe there is no monster. You among these citizens, listen to us in your hospitals. We live with these patients. Once COVID progress is to the point of needing us, it's nothing like our normal, largely predictable illnesses. Even that big C, that feared cancer, is easier and a less capricious destroyer than SARS-2. SARS-2 and COVID claw and strike at each medical professional because of the truth, the reality that there is still so much we don't know about why people progress through COVID in so many crazy ways. We don't know why predicting recovery or death is so hard, so hard. Some in this particular patient's family believe anyone in medicine should always have answers. They scream or ask in quiet desperation over the phone for answers. One yells, I want answers, damn it. I'm this guy's son, and you owe me answers, and you went to school, and, and I demand answers from you. What are they? And another says, I'm his wife. It's, it's been 60 years with him. I need an answer, please. Please. I can't wait any more days. Not without knowing what will happen. Tell me what will happen. The family has no idea that you are steeped in this need yourself. You desperately, personally need answers. And you want to give meaningful, true, and accurate answers in each phone call and each conversation with the patient that has made it far enough to speak. You, however, are the same as a tea bag. 
moved from pot to always boiling pot as the next and the next and the next patient comes in. Just like real tea, the lovely flavor of who you truly are has been pulled out of your life. But your character as a medical professional, your sheer stubbornness, your courage keeps you moving from pot to pot to pot as those in your community intersecting your life through passivity or disbelief that a mask or distance really matters line up the people beside them as pot after pot after pot on their way into your unit. The family members always, they always want answers. Not the truth. Especially not the truth in the statement, we don't know. Giving that answer cuts both you and the caller. You both bleed copiously. It's shift change. Time for that report you thought through. As you brief your replacement, you make a decision. It's been an okay day, you know. Nobody's died on your shift, and it's okay, and, well, you decide to hope. So you choose to share your hope for this one particular battle of all the battles you constantly fight in that negative pressure unit. This patient made it out of ICU onto your unit. After that victory, hope seems less foolish, less stupid, less of a four-letter word. Getting from ICU to here is a significant battle that this patient won. And now it looks like the next battle is almost won. Now it looks like he will make it home. Two days later, as you come back in and you are being briefed during shift report, you ask about him. He died two hours after you left. He died of something called D.I.C. His blood suddenly clotted all over his body. Likely it was microscopic blood vessel blockages in the lungs and probably the brain that suddenly killed him. This is a guess based on symptoms seen during his last half hour. No one knows for sure, and there will be no autopsy. It is questions unanswered. Unanswered questions again that just rip at you. Another patient stolen by SARS-2, that vicious virus. Yes, again you are crushed. This loss goes forward like others for the rest of your life. You will remember this person, this loss. Your autonomic, implicit memory system guarantees this. You will see it as a vivid dream from night to some other night. This loss will affect your sleep, your dreams. A phone ringing down the road in the years to come will startle you. Truth? Answers? Predictions for the next ten families? You can't answer these questions for them. You're not even sure you will ever answer your own questions. 
the questions. Did I do enough? What else could I have done? Have logical answers that show you gave your best in these hellish, hot, disheartening conditions that the discounting, disinterested community members will only see if they come into the hot hell to say goodbye in a patient's last few final moments. And they will only get these moments if COVID, that thief, if SARS, that cruel disease, chooses to be slightly less cruel and gives a little, gives just enough warning of this death that's coming. Otherwise, you, nurse, watch the dawning, deep soul hurt as a family member takes in that COVID stole their loved one too fast with too little warning and this human being, these people, you watch, now know they were too late. There was no goodbye, no final words. Now you question yourself. That was horrible. Can I do this again? Can I do this with the next death that happens too fast? Can I even walk back in there from this break? Gown up? If I do that, can I do all this tomorrow? For another 12 hours? Another shift? Another time where I will never know who is going to crash. This unit is filled, yes, filled with lethal viral particles. That's why it's a negative pressure unit, to contain them. And you know, to the center micron of your bones, that that truth the lethal virus being in and around you swirling is the easy part. The hard question is, can I take energy, emotion, and soul away from my family, my children for the love of God, and walk into a place where generating hope for the patient's families, comfort for the patient's, where providing a shoulder for my peers tears, drains my very soul. You hear your own voice ask, Who am I becoming in this stress? I'm being changed. I can't sleep. I can't even relax. I dream about my patients. I dream about failing my peers. Why am I so angry? The anxiety on the drive into work, and oh my God, the anxiety as I gown up each shift, thinking about so many losses, so many deaths. God, I just don't know. God, will you sustain me? While we remember the draft in varied hues of support and hate that swirled in our country in the 60s and 70s, most of those American combatants in Vietnam, in fact, Two-thirds were volunteers. You see, it wasn't just JFK or LBJ or Nixon that sent the combatants into that sweating, anxiety-filled hell. We, we citizens, we families, sent our sons into that meat grinder. 
And now we send our daughters. Yes, there are male nurses, but the profession is still predominantly female. So this statement remains accurate and true. And now we send our daughters. This is Morris, a friend of your daughter's who is a nurse. Thank you for listening.